0: All the time to the Lord. <clears throat> Today we're going to talk. Take the opportunity to talk about uh, the Protestant Reformation. Pastor Mike isn't here, so I think I take I take the opportunity to go through the past a little bit and and uh, see what we can learn. Okay. To start with, the Protestant Reformation. If you look at the word Protestant, you see the word protest in there, and it was a protest. Okay. And as I tell the story of um, Martin Luther, King, I'll give some of the details that highlight some of the details that I, that, that I thought were pretty important. All right.
1: We're going to start out with
0: a song. He used to write songs, hymns, okay, because a lot of the people couldn't read and they couldn't write, and the way for him to get the word out was through hymns, and some of the hymns we already sang this morning are his. This is Pastor Mike's favorite song, and it's a lot of people's favorite songs. In your bulletins, you can kind of go through and see what, our helper, what uh, he scriptures he used the flood to uh, write this. Okay. We won't play the whole song. So we can get into foe, it. armed with On earth is not his equal Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be loose you can hear Gwyn in there? It sounds really good. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choose? Ask you that may be Christ, Christ jesus, jesus it is thee. okay I'll go ahead and turn it down here is what I got yeah. oops might have went too far <clears throat> <coughs> all right if you can see from here whoops we had a little trouble getting this lined up this morning so I went too short all right next um uh, <clears throat> like I mentioned earlier uh, Martin Luther did a lot of of uh songs that he had he had written um he he even said that uh when you sing in church you're um you're praising god twice as much as from just being here so he really put a lot of emphasis into his music the people at that time did not or could not read and that was a that was a way for them to start to understand god's word all right i'm gonna start with in order to Get through this. We're gonna start with the word indulgence. Um, In the 95 Theses, everyone's familiar with the 95 Theses that he put on the door. Okay, well, there's some words in there we need to get get caught up with, and indulgence is one of them. And the indulgence that they're talking about was the Catholic Church believed in um, in what they call purgatory, and in purgatory uh, there was a state between um, earth in heaven was purgatory, and and, in purgatory, you had to spend time to resolve the sins that you didn't resolve um, here on earth. And uh, Martin Luther was was a uh, Roman Catholic, and um, this was what they were taught, and and he did believe this. He, at at this point in his life, he does believe this, okay? And uh, when he sees the indulgence as something different, but I just want to tell you what indulgence was so you you get so that's basically what indulgence are I'm sorry I'm nervous I hope you guys are nervous with me <laughs> okay and then there's the purgatory okay and in purgatory this is the place where um, the time you spent between uh, earth and heaven on your way to heaven and and, and the catholic belief that the, there's a place there that like to say your sins are you have to continue to pay for your repentance of your sins Okay. And the reason that happened is, I don't know if I get on the next slide or not. The reason that happened was when they actually um, translated the Bible into Latin. Um, the word, one of the words that they that we use for the word for uh, uh, repent, um, they mistranslated into penance. So they saw instead of repent where we would turn around and go 180 degree the opposite way they looked at it as something you had to pay for something it was a pen a penance, and that's kind of got them on the wrong track to, that we're thankful that martin luther came around All right this is it right repent for the kingdom of god and god is at hand and that's one of the scriptures that that was mistranslated in um from greek to latin okay i do not understand um latin um they all spoke latin and if you can imagine this you go to church like right now if i was speaking latin that's uh, you're germans you know german language you do not know latin okay you come to church and i do nothing but preach in latin we sing in latin we preach in latin we pray in latin everything's in latin okay so you can see you're not getting anything going to church at all okay i think that's why we started sleeping in church because weren't getting anything done anyway, you know, but anyway, that's what happens, that's what's happening in this period, and, in, in, um, and we know what repent means, to, to totally turn around and go the opposite way, um, um, this one here is to literally, or to repent literally means to have a change of mind or spirit towards God and towards sin, it means to turn from your sins earnestly with all your heart, Like I say, that's a different interpretation that they would have. uh, The Roman Catholics would have in their interpretation of it. All right. Now we're going to go to. Since we're getting started in the Reformation, we're going to we're going to go back a little bit farther. Okay. In 1384, we have John John Wycliffe or Wycliffe. i must not how you pronounce it. Okay. (coughs) In his life, okay, he was a, a theologian and he was he was a preacher. And through his studies, he was able to read the Bible. Now, the Bible wasn't everywhere. Everything had to be written strictly by hand, and there wasn't a lot of Bibles out there. And he had access to the Bible, and, and he read the Bible for himself. And in, in reading the Bible, he's seen a lot of uh, mistakes that the, the, the Roman Catholic Church was, was uh, doing. So he went ahead and translated the Bible into English. Okay, and he used to preach and teach uh, his services in England or in English, and um, and and doing so, uh, the people start to love him. They start to understand more about God, and you can see if naturally speaking, if you knew what the Bible has to say, you can understand it better instead of just listening to somebody blabbing Latin. Okay, anyway. He gets accused. Um, let's see. Um, he he had uh, the Catholic Church didn't like him, and they had they brought some charges against him. And um, some of the things that they had against him was something called the transubstantiation. I think I said that right. And what that one is is the Catholic Church believed. That when you did uh, the Lord's Supper and you and the bread and the wine, they actually became uh, the body of Christ. Somehow, they magically became the 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 body and magically became the blood, and that was part of their service. Okay, and he didn't see this in the Bible at all, and he's quoted as saying, "The bread, while becoming by virtue of Christ's words the body of Christ, does not cease to be bread." So he understood that was more going on or I guess less in this case uh, of uh, what's going on in the services okay now he challenged indulgences too and the indulgences were were being sold um, and what indulgence was in this in th- these cases were if you can imagine you're you're going to spend time in purgatory and if an and indulgence is if I give money uh, to the Roman Catholic Church um, they will sell me an indulgence and that's basically a get out of purgatory card okay you would spend less time in purgatory because of these indulgences that you, that you receive okay and he spoke out against these and he, he didn't believe that they were they were proper e- either okay he also believed that everyone should have the right to read the Bible in their own language okay so um, in his time um he was labeled a heretic, okay um he did die he did not get executed anyway he he did die <clears throat> a normal life okay um see and then we're talking about speaking in Latin and like I say you can't I can't imagine come to church and just and just listen to Pastor Mike speak Latin we did yeah we'd get rid of him. <laughs> okay and in the scriptures i think you can see when uh, uh, paul's talking about um, uh, nevertheless in church i would rather speak five words with mind and in order to instruct others than ten thousand words in in a tongue so basically paul's telling us in scripture that you know um, without understanding of what's going on you you have nothing and that's kind of what's happening in in the Roman Catholic Church, okay? And next, that brings us to, I think his name is pronounced John, but it looks like Jan or Jane or John Huss, okay? He was another one. He was he lived in 1369 to 1415, okay? And this man actually re- received some of the, the uh, preaching and stuff from Wycliffe, okay? So you see a little chain there where he... he he kinda takes off where Wycliffe left off, okay. <clears throat> and he was he was born from from some peasants, uh, you, peasant parents, and uh, they lived in Hoosnik. And Hoosnik was basically it was called Goose Town. That was how you would call it Goose Town, okay? Somewhere along the line he changed he shortened his name to just Huss, which would be Goose. Okay? And that's kinda interesting because later Luther reminds his followers of the goose who had been cooked for defying the Pope. So that's kind of the expression we get now that your goose is cooked. It actually has some roots farther back. Okay, <clears throat> he gets uh, he gets labeled a heretic. Okay, and um, they they burn him at the stake. Okay, he will not. Uh, they asked him to recant what the, his words and his teachings, and he continued to study from Whitecliff and studied the Bible in himself and he wrote a lot of different pamphlets that uh, we're going to see later, okay and at this time here he gets burnt at the stake and they after they burn him at the stake, they take uh his ashes out of the fire and a little river run along the, next to it, and they throw his ashes into the fire okay it's this, you have to realize. This is stirring up a lot in in the Roman Empire. This is stirring up a lot of a lot of uh, problems for the Catholic Church because the people are rebelling, the the uh, the the peasants out there that are coming to church because all they had at that time was church. They lived a, a, a crummy life. They worked every single day. They were always hungry. They had the plague out there. A lot of people were dying. The only hope they really had they could see was was heaven that they're gonna that, Eventually, when they pass this world, they go to heaven. That was the only hope they really had. And uh, you can see that when they hear about uh, these different things. All right, just a second. Let me get back in here. All right, all right. Okay, this is interesting too. So after Hus, after he dies, and this was um, 41 years after Wycliffe died, which had been around. 1425, okay, so it's actually, yeah, it's actually after uh, um, Huss, too, they go back to Whitecliff's grave, and they dig up his grave, because you can see there's a lot of commotion going around, and, and they're trying to squelch this whole idea that, that, uh, that, um, that, people are rebelling against the Catholic Church. So they actually dig his grave up, okay, and they they take his bones out of the grave and they burn them and they throw them into the River Swift, okay. So, let me move to so, the uh, next one here. I'm still nervous, okay. Now I'm going to bring it up to Martin Luther, okay. So these were some people before Martin Luther that you can see the... Uh, the uh, protests had already started the okay and we're gonna get into Martin Luther and he's a remarkable man we're gonna talk about him for a minute if I know how to do this okay Martin Luther he goes to school and one day in school he's coming back and he's going through the going through the woods okay and and a lightning storm comes up okay and in his lightning storm he gets he's he gets afraid Lightnings are popping all over the place, and and uh, he cries out to Saint to, to uh, Saint Anne, and and promises Saint Anne that if, that if he'll rescue him from the storm, he'd become a monk. I don't know if you remember. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mike talked about those type of prayers. Anyway, he he made one of these prayers. Okay, but he did become a monk. Okay, and um, as he as. Uh, um, he grew he studied a lot as a monk he be uh he actually became a um um, a priest and became a professor in in college okay but he always had this trouble inside of him he just knew something wasn't right he was during his confessions and stuff they'd say he would confess for up to four six, six hours and he's in a monastery and he's really not sinning anywhere that you can really see but so as he washed away, he can remember something else. He that type of mind, he really knows that that uh, um, he's not righteous in any way. Okay, and it, and it's driving the man crazy. He uh, he gets where he hates God. He thinks God nothing but a terrible tyrant, just trying to punish him for being sinful and stuff. And um, during this process, um, that one of the teachers that he had that was was over him. Uh, told him that God actually loved him. And that, and when he started understanding God's love, he started to see things a little bit different. They decided to go ahead and send him to Rome. They thought, well, if we send him to Rome, he can take some time off and he can settle down. So they sent him to Rome. When he's in Rome, um, he walks into Rome and he sees all the big the, uh, St. Peter's Cathedral, all, everything out there, okay? But he's not impressed. He... he uh, he goes and visits the different relics, and in these relics, and and uh, the different places you go, it was said that if you visit a relic and, and gave some type of homage to say that you would reduce your time in purgatory, okay? And that was a common belief. And he and uh, as he wa- walks into Rome, he sees that that it's it kind of like when Jesus went into the into the. Uh, Temple and seeing all the tables going on, he, he he sees what's going on here, and and it's it doesn't it's it's not right. He can see there's something wrong in it. Okay, and these are the steps. They had these steps. They they these are the steps that they moved from Jerusalem um, to Rome, and these are the steps that that um, supposedly Jesus walked up when uh, he was confronted from uh, Pontius Pilate, okay? So they call these the holy steps, okay? And as you can see on these holy steps, Martin Luther did this himself. You get down on your knees, and on each step, you say the Lord's Prayer. And you go up the next step, and you say the Lord's Prayer, and you get to the top. By the time you get to the top, supposedly you've taken off so many years out of purgatory. So Martin Luther does is he gets clear to the top, and, you know, he starts questioning. You know, did this really do anything? Okay, um, so so with that being said, he gets he goes back and he's kind of disheartened on on the Catholic religion. He he's not under he, or he's not believing some of the things that are said. We introduce a new character now. This is Albert of Mainz, Okay, the story gets a little better here. Um, this man here. Um, buys a position from the Pope to become a archbishop. Okay? And they're not supposed to be for sale, but um, he buys a position. So he has a lot of money that he gives the Pope for this position. But in doing so, he had to borrow the money, and he borrowed the money from a bank. And uh, he talked to the Pope, and he said uh, he wanted to sell indulgences to get his money back so he could pay back the banker. So the Pope agrees... Uh, to let this go on, but the Pope gets half the money and he gets the other half money. Okay? So that started to sell him indulgence again in, in this area. Okay. He hires this t- Titzel. tit okay. He was probably the most famous one to sell indulgence. He was a uh, pretty good preacher. He could re- he could really talk up a storm and tell you about what your your uh, your um family that's in purgatory how bad off they are and uh, you know how much suffering they're doing and if you would just buy one of these um, indulgences they could come out of purgatory and go right to heaven so naturally this you know stirred up a lot of people and they they did everything they could to buy these indulgences because um, they thought it was because at that point they started the idea that you could buy them for someone already dead not just yourself okay so he sold a lot of these and you're going to find out and we talk about in the theses you're going to find out 95 theses that uh, Martin Luther even mentions this man okay now we have Frederick the Wise and in, in he's in Saxony in that area in there and, and this man has over 17,000 different relics for you go visit okay and this this is how they made a lot of money You're you're basically you're talking about these peasants that worked all the time. All they did was pay taxes, get to the church, um, and try to live. I mean, that's all they had a life for. Okay. Well, in this area here, um, he had the Roman Catholic Church, or the Roman Rome was broke up into different sections. And the sections that he that he had was in Saxony, and he wouldn't allow the sell of any of indulgences in his area because he had his own get-up going. Um, you know, like I said, he had over 17,000 different relics for you to look at. Okay. <clears throat> now, at this point, we're getting into uh, Martin Luther's mind again. He starts seeing Martin Luther, as he continues to read, um, somewhere along the line, he he's he studying Romans okay and the reason he's studying Romans because he was a professor in the college now um, it's actually uh, Frederick the Wise College okay and he made him a professor and he had uh, his sub subjects were um, uh, Rome to, to, to study Paul's lessons or uh, Paul's writings in Rome and to study Psalms okay and uh, I think you can see he did a real good job, even with Psalms. You can see a lot of the songs he wrote, the hymns he wrote, came from Psalms. I mean, he, Martin Luther was a really good studier. He was really a smart, intelligent man. Anyway, he reads this scripture in here, where I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God, for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay? Okay. Um, for in it, in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. For faith, it is written, "The righteous shall live by faith." And when he read that, and when he understood that, okay, that changed his life. He understood that that it was all coming together. That it was what Christ did, and the faith that we can receive from Him, and that the imputed righteousness we get from God. Um, Martin Luther starting to understand this, and he's starting to throw away all this Cath. cath- catholic belief of uh, uh, repentance you have to do in and uh, well the various uh, things they had the catholics do okay so he writes a theses and in the theses it's a 95 theses okay um, I think it's they say it's October 31st he goes up and he pounds the theses on the door, and, and the purpose of the theses was this was this was a common practice that they had, and you would write down what you wanted to debate on or what you wanted to talk about, and it was common practice that, that you would invite other scholars, and uh, you would hash out these things, and that's how that's how they advanced their their knowledge, and and um, so when he writes these theses, he's not writing them because. He's protesting that I don't like purgatory, or I don't like. All right, what he's writing is he sees what's happening in in, um, um, in his church, and he's got a lot of questions on it. And he writes his theses, and it, and he he too speaks out against indulgences in his theses. Okay, I think um, I mentioned. At Tizel, at one point I think when we read his twenty-seventh one, um, there is no, there is no, no divine authority for preaching that the soul flies out of purgatory immediately. The money clinks to the bottom of the chest. So he's writing about uh, Tizzle, What however How you pronounce his name? Um, he was the one who had that little slogan that um, when the how's it go? when the money or, yeah, how's it go? Well, how, whenever, or <laughs> the coin hit, when the coin rings, uh, sold from Purgatory Springs, or something like that. I can't exactly remember what it is. So that's kind of what he's saying there. And this, is, he's writing, right now he's now the, he on the wall, and in some of the movies, and I mean, I did in the books, the books did say, some, some of the movies I watch is kind of cool because he got a big hammer, and he has it, and you hear that, you know, and, and like the birds fly off the top of the roof and stuff i mean they're really making us into a really big thing and like they're showing the animals back out there in the woods and their heads spring up every thump you know it's like uh, well it really wasn't that way um probably no one knew that at the point when he did it okay anyway he puts he writes these things and put, puts the thesis on the walls and he's asking some different questions and i one of them i want to point out there's three of them i want to read i do have some copies in the back if anybody wants to take one If they've never read them, they're kind of interesting, especially the 40s. You get to see in the 40s, he's really uh, like 41 through 50 are pretty important. Uh, 45 says this one. It says, Christians should be taught that he who sees a needy person but passes him by, although he gives money for indulgences, gains no benefit from the pope's pardon, but only incurs the wrath of God. So he's seeing, remember, he's seeing what they really are, okay? Then the next one I want to read to you. This is a pretty important one, all right? This is number 82. Why does not the Pope liberate everyone from purgatory for the sake of love, a most holy thing, and because of the supreme necessity of their souls? This would be morally the best of all reasons. Meanwhile, he redeems immutable souls for money, a most perishable thing. Which would build St. Peter's Church a very mi- minor purpose. All right. So you can see what happens here. He, write, he writes these d- down, and, and um, people are getting kind of. Um, uh, the Pope doesn't really ha- have anything to say about it at this time. But what happens at this time is kind of interesting because after he writes them down, um, the press okay but some people took his theses that he wasn't aware it happened and they took it took it off the wall and they translated it from latin cuz he did he wrote everything in latin everything was formally done in latin everything they uh they translated this from latin into into german and they started make they started making these pamphlets and because of the uh, of the press they were uh, the the gutenberg press was invented uh they could do this quite cheaply and quite rapidly and they start putting these pamphlets out across uh, um, sax- the Saxon area, and then all the people responding to it. And Martin Luther at this time doesn't doesn't really know what's going on. Okay? So what happens is after after a period of time goes by, um, Martin Luther uh, becomes a hero. He continues to preach. He continues to start start preaching now in a language that of, of um, German, and people are coming to him. And um, as he preaches, the, the Pope gets wise and he finds out what's going on. And um, they turn around, and this is the Emperor uh, Charles V, I think. Um, he calls Martin Luther up to, to answer uh, for what's going on. And Martin Luther shows up at this place and he cannot believe all the people out there all the crowd out there cheering him on he he's understanding that that there's a big movement going on here and um it really isn't by his hand it's by his hand but it's not directly by his hand because things are happening behind his back that he wasn't even aware of and um as he gets into this this is the the diet of worms okay and he's in there to um to face charges of he walks in there, and the uh, prosecutor had to have all his books and his pamphlets on the floor, and then they, they ask him to recant, to say, hey, you know, take all this back, you know, all, basically say everything you've been teaching, everything you've been showing, just take it all back, and you can go on your merry way, okay? Um, he gives this famous speech, but it, the truth from what I read, the truth is the first day he he didn't, recant the first day he said in order to uh, better give you a better answer could I have some time so they gave him to the next day so he went home or he went back and that the next day and that's when his famous speech of uh, I shall not recant um, goes on and I'd also read that uh, that overnight that he spent reflecting on what to say he had actually written a poem a pretty good poem. That's pretty famous. I I don't remember what it is. Sorry, but I'm surprised I remember that much. <laughs> so anyway, he he doesn't recant. Okay, and in doing so, um, they label him a heretic, and they they write out a a basic edic, a basically saying at this point, anybody can kill you. Um, you know, you better run for your life, okay? Well, he was promised safe passage to and from in order to, to get there to start with. Okay, so he's on his way back to uh, Wittenberg. And then on his way back, he gets kidnapped. A group of people come along, and they they uh, kidnap his, his cart and the people in it. And uh, the driver, I think, runs away. He gets scared and runs away. And um, they drag him off to the... Ortberg Castle, and this was this was in Saxton, and and in and in it, it turns out that these were actually friends that had kidnapped him because they knew if they didn't get him to safety, he was he was going to be killed by somebody. So they actually kidnapped him, and he went to this castle, and and uh, that's where he spent a lot of time in the castle reading and and studying, and and um, he, he he put on the disguise as a uh, he grew a beard and he put on was disguised as a knight okay so he can run around a little bit and and nobody knew who he was okay and in this in his castle he turns around and and uh he translates um the bible from from greek into german and he writes um and, and he uh has his bible printed out okay and the purpose, and that was the purpose for my story today, was you can see that, that things didn't happen just by chance. I want to review some of them real quick, and then we'll be done. Because um, if you realize all the things that had to happen, we've seen from the earlier years when the, when the Reformation started, it couldn't get off the ground. It, it had excitement. Uh, anytime someone reads God's Word, there's conversions, there's change, there's power in God's Word, you can see it. Okay. but they couldn't get in, they couldn't get it off the ground but they, but they did get things started and when the press is invented um, it increased public uh, it increased um, the printing where Bibles can be printed very cheaply and and, and uh, that in itself is what gets the Reformation going real good is the fact that they have a Bible they can read when they read the Bible now then they the 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 peasants started reading the Bible, and the ones that could read, and read to them. Uh, they they got to see that there was no mention of purgatory anywhere. There was no mentions of indulgences anywhere. Um, they also they were also found out that they themselves were priests. They didn't have to have their confessions done to a priest. They learned so much in the Bible, and that that's basically has brought us to where we are today. There's a lot more. Um, it's amazing we're going to get into the third I'm i I'm on, I'm done now but we're going to get into the 30 year war and stuff they go through There are a lot of things happened that I had no idea it's it's worth studying and if anybody wants to to uh, study it, I really recommend it I do have some books if anybody wants to borrow them okay but that's pretty much my summary today and I just want to leave with the fact that that um it's important that we remember the our roots and and, and um uh, how we got here um Otherwise, we'd all be sitting there, and I'd be speaking in Latin, and <laughs> we wouldn't be getting anywhere. And, and, and I also uh, did a little check on Google. Um, there's, right, currently, there's uh, 1.2 billion uh, Roman Catholics, and less than 20 million of them can write, read or write in Latin. So you can still see, and they still do their main services in Latin. Um, so you can see that it's a dead language. And why they continue with it, I, I really don't know. But um, I'm just thankful. I just thank God that we get to, that we can read our own Bible in our own language. We can do our own understanding. We can count on the Holy Ghost to help us understand. And, and uh, hopefully everyone around has good pastors like we do. So that's it. I thank you. Pastor Michael will be back and I'll be glad to see him. <laughs>